Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. Our mission is to cultivate communities shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. We'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're calling this year the Year of the Bible as we read and study through the Bible cover to cover. On August 25th, we'll kick off the New Testament along with home-based small groups who will study the weekly reading together. If you'd like more information about any of this, visit our website at cornerstonetulsa.org. And with that, let's hop into this week's teaching. Revelations 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throng, throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Let's pray. Father God, we come together this season to celebrate the birth of Jesus. What a wonderful gift you gave us. As we read scripture, we know your word is trustworthy and true. Thank you for your gift of scriptures and the wisdom it provides all of us. May the name of Jesus be lifted up as we worship him today. May the Holy Spirit be with John as he delivers the message today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, if you don't have a candle, would you raise your hand if you need a candle? Um, hey, Holly, would you grab a basket of candles? And if you, if you need one, just keep your hand up, and Holly's going to make sure we get one uh, to you, because we'll share that in a couple minutes. I'm going to share just briefly this morning on, on this beautiful text. And then uh, we're going to light candles and we're going to sing Silent Night and Joy to the World together and have just a sweet moment. In this last scene of the Bible, uh, John the Apostle is given this vision of the thing that the whole world is longing for, the thing that creation is groaning for, the thing that God has promised, and it's the final and the ultimate renewal of all things. When heaven and earth are finally wed, when this divine human exile has come to an end, when the reign of God is fully established and there is true peace and true justice on the earth. On that day, Officer Weekly is going to be out of a job. There's going to be peace on earth. Uh, If you heard it in the text that that Joe read for us, uh, it says there's no longer any sea, uh, ocean. The sea represents untamed chaos and disorder. And the chaos and the disorder and the injustice of the world are in the end eliminated, which means in the end there are no more drunk drivers. There's no more cancer. There's no more Alzheimer's. There's no more abuse. There's no more war. There's no more anxiety or depression. There are no more miscarriages or infertility or suicide or divorce. In our relationship with God, things are going to be changed too because we're going to see Him face to face. 
And those questions that you've carried with you forever will begin to be answered when you meet your creator. The wondering and the questions and the uh, the sometimes frustration of life in the present age will be resolved in the age to come when we meet our Savior face to face and our faith is made sight. On that day, it will be a new day with a capital D, a new era when God makes all the sad things come untrue and he'll wipe away all the tears from our eyes. In this vision, I hope you'll go home and read Revelation 21 and 22, we see all of creation restored. We see a new garden. So it takes us back to Genesis 1 and 2, the Garden of Eden. There's a new garden, which is a return to innocence, to intimacy like Adam and Eve had with our Creator. We see a return to this garden-like imagery. We see a homecoming for humanity. We're no longer barred from the tree of life. In Revelation 22, there's this beautiful image that's drawn from the prophet Ezekiel where the throne of God is among the people. And from the throne, the the water of the river of life flows freely. And on either side of the river, there are 12 of the tree of life, 12, the 12 tribes of Israel, 12, the 12 disciples. And it says in one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. When the new garden is restored, the nations will stream to it, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And I I let my imagination wander about this, and I think about how cool it would be to be a healer, to be part of the healing in the age to come. Maybe you grab a leaf from the tree, and you go to Afghanistan, or you go to South America, or you go to broken communities in the city of Tulsa, and we're a part of enacting its healing. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. There's a new garden. But it's more than just the garden. It's not just going back to the beginning. There's a new city. It's called the New Jerusalem, which represents the the civilization and the culture that has developed in human history. It says in, in chapter 21, it says, The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into the new city which shows us the, 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 the best of human culture is preserved. Uh, and it's not just a, 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 like a monochrome image of humanity, and it's not just multi-ethnic, it's an omni-ethnic vision, ethnic vision of the future. When every tribe and tongue and people and nation come into the presence of God, we have Eritreans worshiping with Pakistani people, with, with Nicaraguans, and maybe some Americans even make it into it. We have this omni-ethnic vision of the future. I couldn't help but think of the beginning of The Lion King, where you see all of these different animals within the various animal kingdoms flocking to uh, the, the throne where, As- where, not Aslan, that's my favorite lion story, <laughs> where Simba, the king-to-be, is presented, and you see the various cultures of the animal kingdoms. It's like that day when all of the cultures of the world will bring their best in honor of the king. It's beautiful. It's breathtaking. We have a new garden. There's a new city. But it's not just that. There's a new heaven and a new earth. All of creation itself will be redeemed and renewed. There's no more arguing about CO2 emissions, about about climate change. There's no more endangered species. Hey, Emily, I have snot coming out of my nose in this moment. Would you grab a paper towel for me? 
How do you do that subtly? Thank you. Is it used? It's not used. Okay. I don't cry at home. I only cry in front of you. But heaven and earth are restored. There are no more conversations about having access to clean water. I got some. Thank you. No more conversations about access to clean water. The river of life flows in the heart of the city. The heavens and the earth are transformed. There's a new garden. There's a new city. There's a new heavens and earth. And there's also a new us. There's a new humanity that's been liberated from the curse of sin and the curse of death. For those of us who are alive when Christ returns, these physical bodies of ours will be renewed and transformed and made like Jesus in his resurrection. Those of us who are asleep in Christ, that day will will be resurrected and will be transformed and it will be a glorious reunion, a new humanity, no more quarreling with the dark sides of our personalities, No more, like, freed from that frustration of the habits and the vices that we can't help but but live into. But in the radiance of the presence of God, we will live in the light. One beautiful thing that we do not see in the age to come in the new creation is the new temple. Because the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. The, The Lord himself will be among us. Jesus, our mediator, will forever live among us and the world will be enveloped in the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's no more building to which we come to meet the presence of of God because God himself makes his dwelling among us. And as we read this story, the the end of our story in Revelation 21 and 22, the vision that, that John gives us, this prophetic vision given to him by the Spirit, is so much better than when we all get to heaven. It's when all of heaven gets to us. And heaven and earth are wed. This final scene in the book of Revelation is not going to be something that only lives on paper, but one day this this vision of the age to come is going to be actualized in human history. It's going to happen. And we've seen how this year, in the journey through the year of the Bible, how God loves to call his shots. He loves to make promises and in the fullness of time to fulfill those promises. In Genesis chapter 3, we're given this image of an heir, an offspring of Eve who is to come, who would trample on the head of the serpent but himself be wounded in the process. We see in Exodus this vision of a promise of a new Moses who would not only leave his people out of slavery but lead them out of our slavery to sin, to set us free. We see in the Samuels a promise of a king who would come who would have a heart like David, but who would rule with an everlasting dynasty. In the prophets, we see a promise of a prince of peace, a suffering servant, the son of a virgin, a shoot from the stump of Jesse, the root of David, one who will bear the sins of all of the people of the world, a Messiah who is to come to be a light to the nations. And hundreds of years and thousands of years before the birth of Jesus, God gave whispers of what was to come, gave hints and images and promises about this Messiah who would inaugurate the reign of God on the earth. And in the fullness of time, he came. 
and came in such an unexpected way. And that's the celebration of Christmas. I was reading the Luke 2 text that Zoe read for us this morning, and you'll know that this is him when you find a, a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a trough. You remember, oh yeah, the manger part was not expected. A feeding trough. He came. And God did what he said what he, he would do in the sending of Jesus, and it has uh, completely and, and, and demonstrably and unequivocally and irrefutably changed human history. We've seen the course of our study how God promises and God waits, and in the fullness of time, God fulfills his promises. And just as God has fulfilled his promise in sending Jesus, there are further promises that have yet to be fulfilled. And Christian hope, the reason that we're not totally like giving up uh, optimism and, and hope and possibility about the state of our world is because of these promises that have not yet been fulfilled. Christian hope is anchored in the promise of the renewal of all things. And it's anchored in God's past faithfulness to us. Because God has been faithful to us in the past, we know that God will be faithful to us in the future. Because he came as he said he would, we are confident and we believe and we want to believe a little bit more that he will come back as he promised. Christian hope is anchored in the renewal of all things. Christian ethics are motivated and guided by this hope and this confidence in the renewal of all things. In light of this future that we read about in Revelation 21 and 22, in light of the future that God has in store for all of creation, a new garden, a new city, a new heaven, and a new earth, and even a new humanity, we pray and we labor and we hope for justice and peace and caring for creation in the age that is so that we may be delighted in seeing it when it comes in the age to come. We both anticipate with longing this future redemption that's going to happen, and we also work to enact it in the presence. The way of the Christian is ultimately to live in the way of the future, to behave now as we will when Christ returns in final victory and judges the living and the dead and renews all of creation. The way of the Christian is to live now as if it's already the future, which is the heart of what Jesus is getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. It's his manifesto for the people of the kingdom. It's, it's how we will learn to reign with him in the age to come. We become people who do not return wound for wound, who give freely, who live in purity, who restrain our anger, who embrace the secret curriculum of growing in Christ-likeness. Because of the hope of his return, we strive to live now as if the future has already come bursting into the present. But we ask ourselves, how is it going to happen like, it's, it's so beautiful on paper, but how is this great renewal to be enacted? How and when and where? And can we set our, like, a reminder for our watch, a countdown, because we're ready for that day? And in Revelation chapter 5, John is given another vision. In this vision, he sees a scroll that is written on both sides, but it's sealed with seven wax seals. And in this scroll contains the wisdom and the secrets of God about the who and the how and the why and the when for the renewal of all things. And in John's vision, heaven is mourning 
because no one is worthy to open the scroll. No one can unfurl the promises of God or reveal what they will be for the the company of heaven or for humanity. Heaven weeps because no one can be found who's worthy to open the scroll. This is Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I looked and I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song to the Lord, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea And all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All we like sheep have gone astray, each of us to our own ways, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If you, Lord, kept a record of wrongs, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Humbly and in the fullness of time, Jesus has come for us. He loves the world. He has more at stake in this whole grand narrative than any one of us. And in the fullness of time, just as he came, he will come again. And we will meet our Savior face to face when in the great mystery and the the wisdom of God, the seals are opened and God unfurls into human history the plan which he's had from the very beginning to renew the earth, to bring about a new garden, a new Jerusalem, a new heaven and a new earth and to transform us most completely into a new creation. And on that day, things will be all the more beautiful for having once been so sad. And these hearts of ours that are frustrated and discouraged, that doubt and long, will be satisfied when we meet our Savior. 
he is worthy to enact all of this. And he will. Let's pray. Jesus, we adore you. With all of heaven, we cry, you're holy, holy, holy. You're worthy of wisdom and honor and glory and praise. In spite of your majesty, you've come into our world so humbly, dwelt among people like us who doubt and who sin, whose hearts are made bitter from the fall. I pray that this morning and this season, that the hope of Jesus would be rekindled in our hearts. And through the coming of this precious baby, remember that you are giving birth to a new creation in the world. We say, Lord Jesus, you are worthy. We love you. For all of us, if you are, are near to him or far, far away, I just invite you in the quiet of your heart to invite the Lord Jesus to make his home in you. Be delighted to establish his kingdom in your heart and to live with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you.